Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 168, Bran, A Game of Thrones 4. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. 168, just one more to go. <laughs> just one more to go, and we're packing up the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> one plus nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> That's it. It's done. Oh my gosh, brand four, brand four, a Game of Thrones, such innocent times, short times, swift times. But the innocence is quickly fleeting, God. as we see. I really love that every brand episode is a banger for me because I it just is. sit here like sad. A bringer? A br- oh my god, no. Bringers and mash. I was thinking <laughs> that and I'm glad you said it It's pretty it first. good. I'm into mm. it. Mm. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> Welcome back to Brand Stark. Before we jump in with Bran, let's do some housekeeping. Eliana, we've done it. My god, we have done it. We have chosen a Patreon episode, a bonus episode for patrons in the Stranger tier, $5 tier and above for this month. Yes, to the surprise of no one, perhaps, we have chosen to continue our series, MILFs, uh, sorry, Mothers of the Dragon, also affectionately called MILFs of the Dragon. Yeah. Part two, Alisan. Alcine had a lot of kids, so we feel like this is fine. This feels like the MILF of yeah, the dragon. Yeah, that's true. We talk about Rainies and how her bloodline truly could be the line that trickles on through, right? That she could be the mother of the dragon of the bloodline, but Alisane is very much the MILF of the dragon. I mean, definitely can fill a whole episode on this. I have lots of, lots of Alisane thoughts. Absolutely. And I mean, I guess that means we'll talk about cherries a little, but... Boo. <laughs> Boo. We're mostly talking about Alisand. All right, because Jaharis is just not a MILF. I don't even think he's a DILF. Hallelujah, sister. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's not a feminist king like Makor. <laughs> oh my god. For more hits like these, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon. Stranger Tearing Up gets some bonus episodes every month, a new one. Great back catalog to check out, so head over there. And there are some other things going on. Every Friday, we have a discussion in our Discord channel for patrons in the Thunder tier and above, $10 and up. This is hosted by our friend Maddie, who talks about the most recent episode of Hot D. We all chit-chat in the voice chat and in the, the text chat, too, so we don't be rude when someone else is talking. I have to learn that, you know? It's a skill. Really? Not to talk over people. I talk over you every day. Really? I talk over you. Maybe, I guess. Yeah. I also just like using the chat because I don't know. I just like using the chat. Now that I figured out that it exists. (laughs) Step one find the chat. Step two. And yeah, and also along with our hot D discussions, hot discussions. Oh my God. From two to four. (laughs) From two to four. ET. Uh, we also have our monthly brunch slash happy hours, and September's unfortunately has already occurred, but don't worry, there will be another one in October on a date yet to be determined. It's coming, though. Yeah. It's coming. Stay tuned to these episodes to find out more. And speaking of these episodes, next week, we are probably going to take a week off from brand because we have been branding so hard. Oh god, so hard. We have been so, like, fallen from that tower every week, and we are doing weekly House of the Dragon episodes. If you're not watching the show, 
that's probably popping up in your feed. Sorry. But if you are watching the show, I hope you're enjoying it because we are having a blast. And every Monday, patrons in any tier get the episode. Sometimes it's very late at night, but you will get that episode Monday night. And Tuesdays, everybody gets it. Public gets it. Our recaps every week, our hottest takes on the D. Absolutely. And I mean, just because Bran hasn't learned to fly yet doesn't mean we haven't. Because there's a lot of dragons flying on the dragon show. This one actually is a dragon show. I like dragon show. Yeah, dragon tails, dragon tails. I feel like Ara would appreciate this discussion yeah. on dragon tails. I love, we love dragon tails, and we're going to get into some dragon tails today. But next week, we will uh, probably be releasing a previously recorded episode with a big thanks to Girls Gone Canon patrons a previously released bonus episode, and that will be a surprise. So keep an eye on your feed for next week, Friday, September 30th, 2022, for the the historians out there. Yeah, that is the date that it will be. Huh. 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 But if you do want new content, again, we have Mills of the Dragon Part 2 coming out on Patreon. So... I got called out last week. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about it. Because I was all like, oh, we don't have any emails for brand three. And so thankfully, thank you everyone for stepping up and sending us emails and tweets of note this week. Uh, a lot of you had things to say regarding the conversation oh that I regret nothing. Um, for example, our friend Tana wrote in saying, Corn on the cob, Colonel sells it for me. You didn't want to read the score? No, that seemed rude. She said Chloe equals one. Eliana correct about literally everything else, which is true. I don't know that that's true. I mean, that's true too. It might be true according to Rosie Cotton. First of all, our friend Rosie Cotton on Twitter wrote a- in. AKA at... She's Peg Bundy. <laughs> did write in to say that barley can be grains, that it has three parts of the grain kernel, the bran, shut up, Eliana, the endosperm, and germ. Okay, shut up, Eliana, again. I- I'm I seeing all the- just germ, but yeah. The germ. <laughs> the gr- it is, oh my god, isn't it George's birthday today? <laughs> yeah, today, happy birthday, George. Oh my god, happy birthday, George. During recording, George happy birthday. Martin. Born today. Anyways, basically saying, yes, barley is fucking called- <laughs> kernels too thus disproving my point however i would like to put one very final rebuttal in before i call trial by (laughs) combat which is i still think i'm right i still think i'm right because i didn't come up with that idea some other person on reddit who knows more about barley did (laughs) well good game of thrones good game of thrones friend (laughs) we'll always We'll always have hair in hall. Yeah, this is a conspiracy. Oh my god, have you been waiting all day for that? I, I've been waiting all week to say that. Like from the moment that like we got Tana's email, I was like, I'm gonna say conspiracy. I'm gonna say conspiracy on the podcast. Uh, according to Tana, according to us, I'm gonna sip my drink, not worry about the clinking ice while Chloe puts her head down. <sighs> So- Thank you so much, Rosie Cotton, for your tweet, because I am a team player. Thank you, Tana. I always love hearing from you. 
Love you too, Tana. Love you, Rosie. Good game, everyone of Thrones. No, that was, you know, I'm sorry I was so aggressive to you, Eliana. No, no, look at, look at, look at all the fun we're having. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so, so again, because, uh, yeah, Thunderclap is the one who said I sounded thirsty for emails, so I'm glad that a lot of people wrote in this week and we actually read a little bit of some of the other emails on our hot d episode so please check that out because not everything was for bran this one actually we're i don't know we might also bring this up during the hot d episode because what thunderclap said kind of had aspects that could fit into either bran or into house of the dragon but there's a uh, thunderclap wrote in with a lot of interesting stuff regarding lord of the rings and the one ring which i know you're going to bring up some loader stuff loader on loader <laughs> Later on in the episode, uh, but it was kind of an idea of like, here's how Victorian can still win, but not exactly. And oh, also, we love a good Victorian email. It, yeah, yeah. We might have to save it, you know. Too, we might have to save some of that. I think for later on, for loader, for another sorry, loader on, <laughs> for a loader POV episode. Another but not time. Lord of the Rings. Sorry, please do not misunderstand. That is not what we were covering. I uh, tried. I tried, folks. Rings of Power. I tried to get her to. We neither of us have read the series. I don't want to take that back. Uh, Everyone, today, 920, 2022. 920 blaze it. 920 blaze it. I have started the ring books. Oh, so you're on chapter one now. Nope. I'm still in the prologue. I'm finishing the prologue and okay. I know I could skip ahead, but at this point I'm it's just I fail if I skip ahead. And I just haven't had a lot of time. So I'm working on it. I might understand some of these things a little more soon. You never know. You never know. I, we don't know. But some, here's something that I thought was fun that Thunderclap said. P.S. If I chose your demons, they would have been a koala and a llama. Then we could have Kloala Bear and an Ellie Llama. And I actually thought that was interesting because you know one of the names that uh, one of my usernames slash nicknames that some of my friends call me um, is in fact associated with llama. So you are not wrong, Thunderclap. I love it. I love it. How do you feel about a koala? I'm not sure. I don't know, but I like that they're very fuzzy and possibly mean. They really like getting high off eucalyptus, too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is that what gonna, it meant? It's fine. You can out. leave it in, but is that what it meant? <laughs> no, I think uh, it had to do with your name. And also, yeah, they are cute and fuzzy and cuddly. And like eucalyptus. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I see what you people think of me. Um... Uh, and then, of course, our friend Brandon, the Brandon that Eliana mentioned a few episodes, not the same Brandon as... It, I mean, it might be. Yeah, not the same Brandon, of course, that would be insane, but maybe it is the same Brandon. <laughs> well, maybe it is. Maybe not the it same is. moon, that would be insane. That would be insane. And Brandon says... Oh, speaking of moons. The moon was a crescent, and I wanted to say thank you for the shout out for answering my questions. I love bringing out those worst hypotheticals <laughs> in Eliana, seeing her get fired. I'm not Brandon Stark, but maybe he's warging into me. Because he says he likes blackberries and climbing, which I love blackberries. I'm happy to follow a character that shares my namesake, but his story is one of the most interesting in A Song of Ice and Fire, and I'm glad to finally be here with you. I know Sans and Catalan are not the next POVs. Are you sure? I mean, it could be. You girls are on a mission. It's an incredible mission. George Railroad Martin, God Happy bless birthday. him. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Chose to tell this story through multiple perspectives, and I know he wanted readers to find joy in not only reading his story, but in rereading. The character reread is the best way to immerse yourself in thoughts and feelings of these characters. 
That said, Chloe, don't don't apologize for organic upset reactions. Interesting. She's wow. had a lot of those already. We wow. haven't even started the podcast. I'm trying. This is your podcast. Well, Eliana's too. Oh, maybe. And you're allowed to feel and say what you want. He says that he's not here just for the character analysis, but also to understand how the characters make my friends feel. Like raising the idea of Summer dying in the very first brand chapter, which Eliana didn't really like. Mm-mm. No. Also knows that not Ooh, a cast shade. combined one and two, but... In ASOS. In ASOS, yes. But uh, that he expects me to do one single episode, and I think he's right there. Definitely Whoa. right there. What if we just split it into, like, a bunch Four of episodes? episodes? Yeah, what if we split it? Unprecedented. <sighs> unprecedented. Ask poor Quentin. Finally, and then the last thing that Brandon has is... He talks about how I mentioned I would love to have seen Jamie and Cersei's escape after pushing Bran out the window and how they got away and hit it, and wants to know what other extended chapter conclusions we might like to see. He wants to see the awkward boat ride with Davos and Melisandre after she births the shadow baby. I think some of the extended chapter things that I'd love to see are the end of what happens after Dance of Dragons Daenerys 10. Oh, I thought um, you were just going to say the books. I was like, well, that, that, that is the joke that I'm kind of making, right? Oh, I said I don't right. remember the other chapter numbers. Like, what is it for John? Like, 11? 9? 13. Like, oh, thir- is it 13? Anyway, pretend I, pretend I successfully made that joke and landed it, everyone. Um, uh, I'd love to know what happens after what? Um, A Dance of Dragons, Barrison 2. Actually, technically, we have that from the Winds chapters. I would love to see, hmm, that's a really good question. Maybe something with an REN chapter or uh, maybe the arrest of the Sand Snakes would be one I would like to actually see and how each reacts to being taken. And (laughs) I guess that would maybe be through Ario's eyes. Yeah, yeah. That might be one I would like to see or possibly... It's hard. I don't want to cheat and say, obviously, like the last chapters to the next chapters. I, I want to, you know, think about the ones that we already kind of have and etch in some of that detail. But I'm trying, for me, it's also like, I'm trying to remember exactly like how some of these end. So that's part of the difficulty for me, too. Davos is a great character that, to look that at. That one's a really smart one to want. Yeah, um, a lot of those chapters just have so much in between that happens. That's true. I would love to get something bet- before Rickon, but I don't know. That would be a whole new character. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. Um, maybe right after I dreamed of you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, interesting. That ride would be very interesting indeed. Just anime blushing the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They spoke not very often through the night, but when they did, glances, knowing glances exchanged. Yeah. You know, their hearts melting, becoming one, blah, 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 puke, puke, puke. Forged like two steel blades alongside one another. I want to know, like, post-epilogue, what I would love is, like, them, once they escape the situation they're in, because they have to survive together, at least, for a little bit, so... I can't wait for that. George, I want wins. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry yeah. to ask. What Please. about, yeah, what about, like, after, maybe, maybe, speaking of, like, things that could be funny and awkward, right, the the extended, after Brienne shouts sword, right, are they like, all right, everyone, pack it up, get their heads out of the noose. Oh, my God. <laughs> get them down. Yeah, like, what is, it must be, like, so We should adapt this as a comedy. 
people being hanged but not hanged yakety sax playing actually um lots to think on thank you so much brandon for the email i really love that i definitely i think sand snakes is definitely a great idea to see some of those comings and goings they just gotta cut down Podrick. <laughs> uh, the relief. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Well, we're gonna leave Podrick alone and get into our lightning round of what you missed between a Game of Thrones three Bran and a Game of Thrones four Bran. Starting with Catelyn four. Cat and Roderick meet with Peter Baelish, who says the cat spa dagger is owned by Tyrion Lannister. Boo. Boo. Liar. John 3. John learns a tough lesson through his brothers of the Watch and Donald Noy. He meets with Tyrion, and then learns Bran has awakened from the Lord Commander. Exciting. Eddard 4. Ned learns a new part of his job. Party planning. He also wants to beat the shit out of Littlefinger for breathing near his wife. But also... He gets to see his wife because Ned is a wife guy. He is. Except for the when it comes to his son. Not oh. son. Son's not son. Yeah. Tyrion 3. While many of his kin are bastards, Jon Snow is the first that Tyrion can call friend. It's true a lot of his kin were bastards. <laughs> Maybe more than he knows. Arya 2. Ned helps Arya make a change in her life for the better by hiring her a personal master-at-arms. Daenerys, too. Daenerys stands up to her brother for the first time and then takes Caldrogo sexually. Yeah, it's quite a chapter. Finally, we're at Bran 4. Bran is called to the Great Hall to receive Tyrion Lannister, who provides a blueprint for a saddle that Bran might be able to one day ride a horse with. Hmm. Rickon runs with the wolves below, having a great time. His own wolf had grown, his eyes green fire, his fur dark. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Summer comes last, though. His fur is silver and smoke with eyes of yellow gold that saw all there was to see. And Bran thinks that he's the smartest of the litter. He listens to his brothers laughing and running and is angry. His eyes are wet. He's eight years old and he feels like everything is a lie. It is. That is true. But especially because he can't fly. He says he can't even run. And old Nan says, eh, all crows are liars and tries to comfort him with a story. But Bran doesn't want that story. Stories just kind of piss him off now. And he definitely hates her stories now. And it's 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 like sad and frustrating. You're like, don't be mean to old Nan. But you also kind of really understand where he's coming from, right? He's very young and he's frustrated and externalizing all of that onto old Nan, who gets it. She takes it in stride. Yeah, because she's just as much kind of a prisoner in her body there as he is as we'll talk about and i don't know the beginning of this chapter is so sad it's laced with bitterness and resentment and the utter frustration at not being able to do the things that everyone else around you can do easily like physically he cannot even try to push himself to do so it is impossible it is horrible and hard each of the actions that he takes in this chapter until you know until he kind of breaks his resolve a little bit They're just soaked in this hollow anger in the front, this feeling of hopelessness that his brothers below will all run and leave him and abandon him, which they do. They will. They kind of have to in the plot, but it's not because of his disability, right? It's not because of his inability, but that's his greatest fear and like also his greatest envy that he has to bear, that he has to live with when it comes to them, right? Like he's so scared that everybody's going to leave him because he feels useless and worthless Mm. and... 
then those dreams become a reality quite literally and figuratively because he starts having the green dreams as well. Like that's got to be a very hard time as a kid. And this exasperation and all of these maybe cures or maybe little things that can make him feel better or operate better, it, it starts to make you distrust people, right? Like he has these dreams from a crow that says, well, I'm going to give you something better because you're suffering. I'm going to give you a bigger gift and that's flying. And he's like, but I can't. Like, I'm still stuck in this bed every day being carted around by people with no bodily autonomy. Tyrion offering an aid for him to ride his horse in this chapter. At the end of the chapter, he he almost feels like a piece of hope, right, to propel him forward with. And that's really important because that hope can bloom even in the coldest of places and feelings for Bran right now. Yeah, and it comes from someone that they don't expect that kindness to come from. And also, I like what you're saying about you know, these maybe cures and in how it it causes you to distrust people and lose hope because, I don't know, people keep coming up with these things. They're like, oh, this will make you better. This will make you better. And unfortunately, when it comes to disability and illness, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like a lot of times you're presented with a cure and you keep trying it and you keep hoping it'll get better. And it doesn't always. It's weird because there's something interesting in the way, I don't know, like thinking about like going to a bajillion doctors over yeah. and over trying to figure out what the hell's wrong with you, which isn't something Bran has to do, but it's something I've done before. And like, mm-hmm. just that each one is more and more disheartening. Each one you're like, nothing is ever going to change. I am going to exist like this forever. And I'm going to be a burden to everybody that I love and that loves me. And like, that's, that's probably a lot of what Bran's feeling right now. And as somebody that young, that takes a toll on you. Yeah, absolutely. And he hasn't fully internalized that yet, but we do see him start to do that and to get to that point in this story. And the, that hasn't sank in yet in this chapter, but the things you're saying, like, obviously, they do happen. Yeah. We'll dig into that later on. Oh, um, my God. Well, Old Nan says that these stories that he hates are not her stories. She's been at Winterfell forever. There are other stories. Even Ned remembers her from in his youth. She had come to the castle as a wet nurse for a Brandon whose mother died birthing him. An older brother or younger brother of Bran's grandfather, maybe, or even another generation beyond that. I don't have the exact tree, and I'm sure it's probably somewhere in, like, I don't know, the World of Ice and Fire or the Wiki or something, but I guess the, the assumption would probably be that it is a younger brother of Rickard, based on what we saw of the pattern. Remember, you Mm -hmm. were in the lightning round you put together before the Brandons were the firstborn son. Until Rickard's son, Brandon, a lot of them started becoming the second sons or later later ones. Yeah, and having to take different positions outside. Mm -hmm. Carving a different path, as Bran might be wont to do. Until he becomes a king. (laughs) (laughs) The king in the south. (laughs) Uh, Really mixing things up. Nan had stayed on at Winterfell. This this bummed me out. I forgot about this. Her yeah. sons die during King Robert's War, and her grandson is killed in Pike during the Greyjoy Rebellion, and her daughters long ago married, moved, and died. So all that's left of her own blood is Hodor, the simple-minded giant who works in the stables, but old Nan just lived on and on, doing her needlework and telling her stories so sad and she's hodor's great grandmother we get told in this chapter Mm. great grandmother so realistically there's like a 70 year span that she could have fucked dunk 
is what I'm trying to tell you. And yeah. I'm pulling out my timeline right now. Do you hear the rustling of paper? You know, I'm arranging the map. I'm placing pinpoints. I'm like, here are the ways that old Dan fucked Duncan where they were. Here's how old Dan can still win. <laughs> she can. Number one, old Nan has won. Absolutely. Here's how old Nan could still be alive and not dead at the Dreadfort. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And because she fucked Dunk. I kind of, yeah, I forgot that she lost so many of her children in, like, all these wars, right? Like, the wars that the crown, it has taken so much from her. And, yeah, I mean, that's insane that he, like, she outlives her daughters. What did they die from? I guess it, you know, George didn't think that far. But it, it reminds me also of Alisan mm-hmm. outliving all of her children. And I don't know. It's just so sad because also at the same time you're seeing that Bran is taking out his frustrations on old Nan, um, and part of it is because he wakes up and his family isn't here anymore, and that's literally old Nan's life. Yeah. Yeah. He's. It's very sad. She's already lived that. This is her now. Yeah. So Someday has... that might be you with only stories left to tell. Oh, shit. Interesting. But also, yeah, that that's part of, I guess, why she's so understanding, but... Again, yeah, because yeah. she's old, too. I mean, once we get, you know, as as an older woman, you might understand this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> you know, as an You're older upset. woman with lived experience. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Um, <laughs> Decrepit. <laughs> uh, you're not. I'm sorry. You're not. You're not. You're not. That, mo- that old. <laughs> that old. <laughs> so Bran claims out of spite that he hates the stories. He wants his parents. He wants to run, to ride his pony. But they had all left him, all of them, as we're discussing. And it's actually, I think, a really powerful moment, the way that Bran's story also goes, right? He wakes up. He himself hasn't changed mentally because he's still like a child. He enters this coma and this dream in which he's flying. Uh, But turns out he awakens and the entire world around him has half the people are gone or more and also his body is different and that also impacts then the way that he moves throughout this world that has changed and Bran's reaction to waking and finding everything gone actually reminds me of a few sad legends for example uh, Rip Van Winkle and its many iterations before and after in which you know this guy falls asleep for a long ass time wakes up and he's like uh it's been 57 years what uh and a lot of the people that he knew are gone and dead but also it reminds me of the the irish legend of Ashin returning from ternanog which is also like this fairyland this land of youth he goes there he does like cool heroic things marries a fairy queen princess named neve which is not spelled the way that you would think it would be spelled <laughs> And uh, spend some like a few days there, right? And then he's like, mm, I want to go back and see my family. And it's been only, I don't know, the span of like seven days over and over. And then when he returns, because time flows differently in Tirnanog, it's been 300 years back mm-hmm. home, and the Fianna, like the Fian people, are all gone. And everyone's super small because they're not cool, like, magical big people anymore, like he was. And he returns on this, like, special horse. And nothing is the same about the home that he's left behind, even though it doesn't feel like it's been a long time at all. He's the same person. 
But then he's not supposed to get off his horse. He falls off it because he's trying to help these people. He's like, oh my god, these poor ass people. They're so small and weak. And then he falls off and he's not supposed to touch the ground and then suddenly ages 300 years and then dies. Wow, okay, so you just <laughs> stuffed a lot in that last sentence. Yeah. Hold on, I'm processing. If everyone can give me a moment to process. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, bummer for all. Bummer for all. Uh, now that I've processed, thank you for the moment. I just You're needed more right. too. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, you know, that some of that kind of folklore is seen played again in stories like Tuck Everlasting, with the idea of like the about? fountain of youth and eternal youth mm-hmm. and innocence and innocence lost and all those little themes being played against one another. So I love that with the land of youth. And there's definitely something very Doran-like for Bran, right? Like Mm -hmm. Bran becoming Lord kind of accidentally in a way that everybody just dies and he's now the Lord of Winterfell. And Doran obviously was just born first and his siblings were unlikely to, you know, he, he had these great siblings that did great things and then they both die. And what does he say? You know, yeah, they are gone, and here I am. Here I sit. Yeah. And Bran, you know, he wakes up, and everyone's leaving. Yeah. He's like, but I just got here. And yeah. he's like, I was on a hell of a fucking trip, let me tell you, and now I'm here, and you're all gone? Yeah, he's like, wait, we were having, there was a party? Everyone was here. I was having a great time. Very jarring. Yeah. Lewin had sent birds to his family for him, but... The birds hadn't returned. Lewin said sometimes the birds get lost, or maybe they haven't reached them yet. It's a long way away. But to Bran, it feels like they all died while he slept. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps he died and they forgot him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's, that's kind of interesting. That's to come. Yeah. That's that, soon. Well, there's a way that it, it kind of feels like this is, in a way, one of a rebirth for him, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, that is a big ongoing thing for the Starks and even like rebirth in a metaphorical sense for like Sansa and Arya. I mean, every single one of them get a rebirth. Mm -hmm. It reminds me very much. um, (laughs) Also, yes, but it does remind me very much of Up the Wolves by the Mountain Goats. A very important piece of analysis. Our mother has been absent ever since we founded Rome, but there's going to be a party when the wolf comes home. I mean, it's the great rebirthening, you know, the great, they disappear and they come back glorious because they are the only people I like, the Starks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like other characters. I yeah, I was like, like that's not true. That's not true. I know you, I know you like a lot of characters. Unfortunately, I love them all like my own children. Especially after we go through all the POVs. We come out of it and we're like, wow, I really like that character. I can't wait for Victorian. I, I, I want to see I want to see if I change, you know. What, is he not your son, stupidly? Absolutely not. I would not give birth to that. <laughs> Everyone from the castle that he knew was gone too. Only Rickon and Rob remained, and Rob had changed. Now he's Rob the Lord, wearing a real sword, never smiling, his days consisting of training and drilling while Bran watches. Sometimes Rob has gone for days visiting Holdfasts and Lords. Rickon would cry then and ask Bran if he was ever coming back. Even when he was home at Winterfell, Rob the Lord seemed to have more time for Hallis Mullen and Theon Greyjoy than he ever did for his brothers. Another resentment. Yeah. I guess that's like... I have never experienced this. 
This As like chapter child. is the closest thing to siblings, I think, that yeah. I understand. Yeah, like, you know, when the older sibling is just like, you're in different life stages, mm-hmm. but also Rob's obviously having a hard time. And then also, you know, even for Bran wanting to, you know, both sides of the coin. I've experienced not- neither of these. <laughs> but even from here, there's such yeah. a great change, right? Like, he starts this chapter in such a mindset of like loathing and like not self-loathing especially yeah and not being able to process those emotions and Tyrion showing up with the saddle and realizing that his life isn't fucking over like he thought it was there's yeah. a little hope and then Rob coming to him and showing a little bit of vulnerability right and even passing that torch saying I'm trying to be strong and I'm sorry because it's obviously showing and you have to too now like, this is it. it. I mean, this is the passing yeah. of the torch for him to Bran. This is really where it all... From Rob to Bran? Yeah, from yeah. Rob to Bran. At the end of the chapter, like, he's pressing a little bit of his pain into him with his, like, kiss of love. Not in a mean way, just in a, I'm sharing the load, but we have to yeah, grow up now. The load. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things I know from Lord of the Rings. Oh my god. <laughs> But here, you know, he's immature. I mean, he's like, yeah. Rob has more time for Halas and Theon, and he has this little resentment build, but by the end of the chapter, like, he knows that his brother loves him, and his brother is just taking he's, his duty. He's got a lot. Rob has got a lot on his shoulders. You know, yeah. and obviously Bran is also dealing with a lot, right? And he's dealing with it alone, and none of them can necessarily relate to what he's going through. I mean, he's parenting Rickon. Yeah. I mean, also Bran yeah. in this chapter, you know, because Rickon comes crying to him going, where's Rob? Yeah, both Why of does them. no one talk to me? When? Yeah, that's true. I'm Bobby. <laughs> I mean, literally, I'm Bobby. <laughs> I'm Bobby. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Old Man offers to tell Bran the story of Bran the Builder, saying it was his favorite. And Bran knew the story. He's like, I don't think that's my favorite. I think you've got that wrong. Which happens to me all the time. <laughs> Especially with me. Yeah, people are like, I think this is your favorite. And I'm like, I don't know where you got that idea. That's not true at all. Uh, he wonders if she means a different Brandon. And sometimes she spoke as if he were her Brandon. The one that was killed by the Mad King. Which is so sad. <laughs> Fuck. The line goes, she had lived so long, Mother had told him once, that all the Brandon Starks had become one person in her head. And that seems a very interesting. Like if all of the Freys and Lannisters became one person in someone's head who was on a revenge killing spree? Mm. Yeah, you were thinking about the TV. No, I'm joking. Also <laughs> Lannisters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like where every Lannister, yes. even now, like Tyrion. That's a great point. That's a really that's a really good uh, thought of like the flattening of, you know, morals and also of time, trauma, etc. Yeah, loss, horror. Mm-hmm. Damn. All I had was a joke about all the Brandons being one and as an avatar state he could access. But I mean, I liked your thought better. I like yours because it's actually true though like that is what it is right like think of all the green seers and the network of seers and how like all the information isn't this just what crypto is no but it is like the internet but it's not like crypto oh okay so it's like file sharing though it's like torrenting right it's like bear share or limewire where it's taking a little bit from everybody's hosting servers a tiny bit of information to piece together all the information glimpses from each of the trees the trees are servers eliana yeah it is a little like torrenting i guess yeah it's weird with dot net Tor- Torrent Stark. 
There's a torrent. Star. Isn't yeah, like King Torrent Stark, the king who knelt. <laughs> the king who downloaded. Yeah, the king who downloaded and by went down on his knee. <sighs> torrent Stark. Bran's favorite stories were the scary ones. He says, and old Nan's like, all right, I'm going to fuck your life up with fear, kid. What do you know of fear? Me, nothing. I don't do scary stories. <laughs> Me either, but it is the mind killer, so. Mm. She tells him of the others, of the White Walkers moving through the wood, the long night that came over the land where kings shivered and died in their castles. Women smothered their children rather than let them starve, and tears froze upon all their cheeks. She asks him if he's sure this was his favorite story, and he reluctantly says yes. She tells him when the others came for the first time how they hunted maids and men alike on their pale dead horses, eating children. So I love that old Nan has just basically given us a summary of A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, but if, with a few things a little wrong, a few details, it's not women smothering their children, it's uh, women smothering their undead husbands. <sighs> and, well, girls, really. Kings dying, people hunting maids, you know, you know. Also, Bran loving these stories and these adventures, and it's very much, of course, a be careful what you wish for. And also, as many people have pointed out, old Nan stories like these, these legends, they're like full of kind of half truths, right? Mm -hmm. It gets some of it right, but with a twist. The others, turns out, don't steal, don't eat children, but they do steal them. Kind of makes me think of fairies a little. Yeah, like almost like you know, having the changeling child. Yeah, exactly. Which then you have later, obviously, child switching in general. Oh, we do have the baby switch. Interesting. Lots of baby swapping. monster, yeah. Life for death and shit. Oh, is John the king shivering and dying in his castle like Bran saw in his vision? Oh, I was wondering. I was thinking like that felt real, 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 real. <laughs> real, 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 <laughs> so real. So, on yeah. some dumb shit. She says this was before the Andals came, before the women fled the Roin, when the Hundred Kingdoms were kingdoms of the first men, though stolen from the children of the forest who now live in woods and hills, watching through the trees. So as cold and death filled the earth, the last hero determined to seek out the children in the hopes that their ancient magics could win back what the armies of men had lost. He set out into the Deadlands with a sword, a horse, a dog, and a dozen companions. For years he searched until he despaired of ever finding the children of the forest in their secret cities. One by one his friends died, and his horse, and finally even his dog. And his sword froze so hard the blade snapped when he tried to use it, and the others smelled the hot blood in him and came silent on his trail, stalking him with packs of pale white spiders big as hounds. The door opened with a bang and Bran's heart leapt up into his mouth in sudden fear. But it was only Maester Lewin, with Hodor looming in the stairway behind him. Hodor, the stable boy announced, as was his custom, smiling hugely at them all. Maester Lewin was not smiling. Oh, no. <laughs> so I just want to go back to this one part of this quote, Eliana. Can you reread this for me really quick? Because I just want... Um... 
and his sword froze. So are the blade snapped. Oh, so you're just not going to do the first one? I do not see it. I do not see it, Chloe. (sighs) It's okay, because I would have to admit all his friends are going to die to concede this point to you. I'm learning. I can't argue with you in these episodes. (laughs) Uh, It's us. We're his friends. We're going to die. We are dying. (laughs) I love Old Man as the storyteller archetype, right? One of the oldest and greatest storytelling devices in fairy tale, folk tales, mythology, legends, fables, all of them. I mean, let's go all the way back to the first piece of fiction ever written. The the first thing that happened. Year one. Right? Year one. Jesus. (laughs) Historically speaking. Wouldn't it go back further? There were other people telling stories then, too. We don't know. Not till Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> so let's go all the way back to Jesus. God, he was a huge storyteller. That guy did had you stories. Say Jesus, God, he was a huge storyteller. <laughs> yeah, I did. I'm sorry. Forgive you didn't me, even Father. mean to do that. Forgive me. You didn't Father. even mean to do that. I'm sad. Uh, let's go back to Jesus. Let's go back even earlier than that. You have someone even earlier than Jesus in this. Yeah, Bilbo. <laughs> yeah. God. Bilbo. I thought that took place here, right? That's what I've been told about this universe. So Bilbo in Lord of the Rings is a storyteller. I mean, he tells a vast majority of some of the story. And, you know, she also reminds me a bit of Discworld. I think it's book 27. It could be any of them. My God, there's so many. And I've read a good amount (laughs) of The Last Hero is the story. The character is the minstrel who's a storyteller and plays a different kind of role, a little active throughout more of the book. But at the very end of this book, moreover, is a passage, and it really reminds me of this. And it's actually about a painting, by the way, but the painting is really important, you know, art. Upon the mountain, as the blizzards closed in, there was a red glow in the snow. It was there all winter, and when the spring gales blew, the rubies Mm. glittered in the sunshine. No one remembers the singer. The song remains. Interesting. Old Nan's character is so important. It represents generations of stories and magic possibly passed down and now being reawakened in Bran and storytelling throughout the entire story. I mean, keeping some of this magic and lore alive. Look at Danny's chapters, right? With the dragons. Yeah. I mean, that's storytelling brought to life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is a really interesting quote that you have there with the no one remembers the singer, the song remains. Think of the singers of the forest. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like is Bran's storyline to an extent about remembering yeah. the singers? And also even Sansa's, right? Because she she loves the singers. She's like, I'm going to remember the singers so much that they're going to stay here for life. <laughs> that's my girl. <laughs> that's, that's how much I will remember them. But uh, I mean, that's something that I am curious about what happened for sure in the story. What happens to old Nan after the Boltons come? I still have hope. Here's how, how Old Man can still win. And I hope that Bran and the Starks, when they return, they remember that singer. They remember her and honor her in some way or try to find her, right? Yeah. I mean, she's as much a part of their family as anyone. She could still be alive. Yeah. I'm holding out hope that Old Nan lives forever. Yeah. So I, I, I can't even fathom anything else right now. I refuse to. I don't even want to be creative about it. So we'll move on. Well, yeah, I, I the, the part where she stares at what she thinks is their heads and like just flaps her lips like in disbelief. That kills me. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. And I don't know why. Is this because I talked about the dog? I don't know. I think it's um because I had this one drink, but I am thinking of having another. 
Maester Lewin announces that they have visitors. Tyrion Lannister and some men of the Night's Watch have come with word from Jon Snow. Hodor helps Bran down to the hall. While Bran laments missing his stories, he's very upset, which I totally get. When I miss my stories, I get very cross. That's how I feel when my shows get interrupted. I'm like, let me finish the episode. I just want Love Island, Eliana says. <laughs> Actually, literally. I'm almost <laughs> at the finale. Lewin and Nan both tell him he may learn new stories if he goes downstairs. He wonders if Hodor would shrivel up like his great-grandmother someday, but doubts it. Me too. Hodor will not, because he's going to die like within the next few years. I mean, he might shrivel up when his body is torn to shreds. You think it's going to be torn to shreds? Maybe. We don't know. But then it will never shrivel, right? I mean, he definitely becomes a smaller... Nothing makes you more expansive than being torn apart and different. Anyways. <laughs> I do also like this point where they're saying, Bran, come down, you might learn other stories right there. I think that's important to hear other people's stories in general, mm-hmm. but also that people can bring and make new ones. And that will play out, I think, in a couple of different ways. But also one way that is very fun is in the context of how Jojen tells the story of the turning at Heron Hall, right? Like, he's like, are you sure you haven't heard this story before? <laughs> and yeah, so I think that's, that's important. Yeah, I love that. It comes back to that generational storytelling being such an important part of Bran's story in general. And it is a story what he goes downstairs and sees and it's something that we really talked about thoroughly in our amber spyglass episodes for his dark materials if you're a fan of that series please go check it out but there's a really common theme in that story no spoilers of tell them stories right tell them stories that belief in a thing you know it brings it back it brings back hope it brings back safety for people you had said something in it that was really poignant. I know this is going to shock you. Uh, <laughs> you is this was, from one of our old episodes again? From our His, our His Dark Materials oh, okay. episode, I want to say 23. But you talk about how the simplicity of childhood memories are so full of emotions, not just for the characters, but for the readers, right? That these are stories we're hearing about for the very first time, and it'll create a sense of nostalgia for us as we go on our mm. journey. And that was about his dark materials, but it's true here, too, that Bran gets to live these stories someday, and John lives these stories, and some of the other characters will, too, and we'll see that. And this chapter lays a foundation for that nostalgia, in my opinion. Yeah. Nan had once told Bran that Hodor's real name was Walder, that no one knew where Hodor had come from, but when he started saying it, and it was the only thing he was able to say, they began to call him by it. Suspicious. Interesting, his name's Walder. Yeah. They leave Nan, and Rob is sitting in his father's high seat, wearing his own lord's face and outfit, and the anger is palpable in the room as soon as Bran enters. Not because of Bran, because of Tyrion. Yeah, I love that you can kind of... There's a lot in this chapter. George does a really, it's a fun job what he does that he's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to fucking write this, so I'm not going to. And I'm just going to say, Bran doesn't understand what's going on. I'm going to write about other events. And Bran, Bran himself doesn't know this is happening. And then we do, though. Like, we as the audience do know, right? Like, we understand the anger where Bran at first in certain situations, he's like, huh, to know what's happening, to know why everyone's mad. 
Does he know that there was an assassination attempt on his life at this point? I don't think so. Oh, interesting. He knows from the vision. Maybe he knows something happened, but I mean, he doesn't know that Tyrion would have been involved. Technically, no one knows that Tyrion would have been involved, even Tyrion. <laughs> and But, like, does he even know that... I mean, maybe, like, there's a part of him that knows about the cat's walk as a summer. Mm-hmm. But, like... Maybe he doesn't know, no, because Cat's not there when he wakes up. Yeah, and maybe Rob was like, I can't deal with telling my brother that this... I mean, understandably so. That's a pretty big thing to carry. Every vision he had in that last chapter, too, is so heavy... Yeah, And it's so much trauma, and it's like him processing all of it, but also not at all. So, especially because this chapter comes back with that kind of vision and the trauma surrounding it, I imagine maybe, maybe he doesn't. That's a good point. I mean, there is a lot of repressed trauma in this chapter, as we're going to get to in a second. Yeah. And, and in Brand. Any man of the Night's Watch is welcome here at Winterfell for as long as he wishes to stay. Rob was saying, with the voice of Rob the Lord. His steel is bared across his lap. Even Bran knew what that meant to an unwanted guest. There's something interesting about how Rob is saying, uh, you know, these are confidently said, the things he's saying, but later when he gets awkward after the kerfluffle with Tyrion, when everything goes a little awry for just a hot second, you, you kind of notice that he gets flustered, and he, Bran even notices, he's like, again, George is like, Bran doesn't notice many things, but Bran noticed this. I'm like, damn, George, we get it. He's eight. <laughs> I mean, I still feel like that sometimes. I walk into a room and I'm like, vibes off, why? Vibes <laughs> off, why? That's that's all of Bran. But he notices. He He's like, oh, Rob feels weird right now. And he's not, he's just reciting speech. And Rob is doing a lot of mimicking, right? Of the things he's seen his father do in this chapter as he tries on that Lord's face and figures out how he's supposed to rule. And not only does he do that, but very soon he also gives Bran a chance to do it, which mm. I really respect. That's actually a favorite part of this chapter for me. But the words he says here are very interesting because they're very memorized words, the words that he's heard his father say. Any man of the Night's Watch is welcome here at Winterfell for as long as he wishes to stay. Hmm. hmm. Who do we know that's in the Night's Watch? Yeah, I mean, that's something that we, I think, discuss, like, would John, would Rob welcome John back, etc. And absolutely, a couple of people are in the Night's Watch from his family. We'll, we'll talk about one yeah. of them in a second, but... Rob obviously says that, and that's Winterfell's stance. Even now that yeah. Rob is rip, rest in peace, Rob. For real. Rip Actually, also pieces. Peace. Now that Rob's gone, Eliana. <laughs> now that he's gone, um... You know, even just in general with John coming back to Winterfell. Yeah. Now, later, his vows, whether it's a dance of dragons, the winds of winter, a dream of spring. Maybe even for Endgame, he would always be welcome back at Winterfell. I like to think so. I would hope so, if Queen Sansa said so. Yeah. I yeah. respect her, you know. <laughs> it's up to her. But also, uh, you said something about it being like these rehearsed words, and I realized also, like... I don't know that Rob has had to hold this like court like this or mm -hmm. welcome guests in this manner yet since Kat has left. This is a big one to hold. Yeah, this is a very stressful first run. <laughs> well, he's been going to other courts, which is a different thing, I guess, in some aspects. But he has like been going to other holdfasts. 
Yeah. And well, also, it's the first time to have people from the Night's Watch, I guess. And yes. this is, he does like try to say it in earnest, but again, he's like not, it's a mm-hmm. stressful, this was a stressful first time to try those words out. <laughs> yeah, because Tyrion and Rob are going back and forth, and Tyrion is like, oh, as you've said to me before, your lack of courtesies. Well, I've, I've never said that to you. You're the courteous one. Oh, interesting. Now she's reverse psychology. Have I it? have I said that? Saying John clearly got their father's <laughs> graces. Uh, and that's kind of an insult. That he was like, wow, the bastard's much more polite than you, Rob. Interesting. That's kind of funny because I guess he has to be, right? You kind of have to be when you have the lower station and learn to be more courteous. You have to compensate. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have to, like, fucking blow smoke up people's asses. Something else that I really like about this line is about, you know, besides calling him out and the, him being a bastard and having to do that, uh, as you're saying, John getting that aspect from Ned because, t- again, talking about how Ned is John's father figure, right? And learning those graces, being like his daddy, even though J- maybe Ned's not his biological father. I love that. And there's also that echo that, like, everybody expects him to be uncouth because he's a dirty, gross, motherless, damned bastard. But realistically, his mom was being bedded by the future king slash king at some point, possibly through deposition. Uh, You know, like, Rhaegar. I mean, she obviously had enough couth to bed Rhaegar and know what maybe a wild dragon prince might like. I don't know. I just think it's an interesting connection to that. Like also his mom wasn't just like some, some chick. No, she was also a knight. I'm some chick, but Lyanna Stark, not just some chick. No, absolutely not. A lady, a knight, a queen. She's every woman. It's all in her. All in her. (laughs) Maybe she's worth it, you know? Or wait, when? No, no. Maybe she's born with it. Oh my gosh, it's Maybelline. Anyways, but you know, his mom, royal shit. He's a royal child, royal bastard. He knows his courtesies, goddammit. He does. Uh, He forgets them for a second in those earlier chapters, but then he figures it out. Which is kind of Bran in this chapter. That's true. I mean, that's kind of anyone being younger. I got scolded a lot. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) You know, just being mouthy. Yeah. Saying shit you shouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. All the time. I do it every day. And you know, I I had to really learn to internalize that uh that that lesson from Bambi. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. And glad it's that lesson. Worried about the other lessons like dying from Bambi. Yeah, I don't remember the other lessons. That's how much that one stuck with me. Dying. Uh yeah, mom dies, and then the king of the forest, and then I don't know, hunting's <sighs> bad. Speaking of death. <laughs> Hearing that John is alive is amazing for Bran. He gasps audibly, and Tyrion turns to look at him, and he's kind of surprised. He's like, oh, you are still alive. <laughs> You're alive. <laughs> Interesting. He's like, I wondered if that was true. And he says, you Starks are hard to kill. Rob says, you Lannisters had best remember that, and lowers his sword. Well, they don't. Rip. <laughs> also unrip. And then unrip again. But also, yeah, rip again, too. <laughs> and then someone else rip, and then another unrip. Yeah. This uh, family's complicated. Every time a Stark is born, the gods flip a coin. <laughs> and they say, are you gonna die and come back to life? Are you hmm. gonna die early? Yeah. We just don't know. <sighs> Rob calls for Hodor to bring Bran forward, seating him in the high seat of the Starks. Oh, I love this so much. This little passage got me. This is where the Lords of Winterfell had once sat. 
when they had called themselves King in the North. The carved heads of direwolves snarl on its arms, and Bran clasps them. He feels like half a baby in this giant chair. It's so big. Aww. Rob tells Tyrion to approach Bran with the business he claims to have with him, and he does. Bran's kind of uncomfortable under Tyrion's gaze, his black and green eyes. Ugh. And Tyrion asks him if he remembers anything about his fall. Ugh. He doesn't. And Rob cuts that short and tells him, get to the fucking point. Don't ask my brother questions. Don't presume. Tyrion had brought plans for a saddle. A saddle he designed that might give Bran an opportunity to ride once more. I do want to quickly call out, you know, how we linger on Tyrion's eye colors there for a second because we are covering, and by that, by covering, I mean House of the Dragon is on right now. And the we Blacks have and the Greens. covered. We also did cover House of the Dragon. Not sorry. We did cover the Dance of the Dragons. That's true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Way yeah, back in yeah. the day. Yeah. Yep, so the Blacks and the Greens. Over at Patreon. But that's a great point. I think uh, there's... I mean, Tyrion's very much a proponent in both sides of the Blacks versus the Greens, right? Of Danny yeah. versus Aegon to come, Absolutely. or Stannis versus Rutten. Wait a second. Yeah, well, Tyrion was like, when he was on that boat, he was like, I think I will cause problems on purpose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was his black eye versus his green eye. Yeah, he made this happen, but kind of literally. And I mean, Illyrio's rings back and forth, the jade, the tourmaline. The wildfire in a clash with Tyrion. And the color of Shaggy Dog here, even, that he has become black with green. That's so interesting that he has green eyes. I don't know what it means yet. Well, and also that we get this against Tyrion, right? I think it's literal black water coloring. And realistically, I think it might connect to Davos in that length as well, you know, eventually. Maybe not intentionally. That might be a garden thing. But black and green symbolism and Davos going to find Shaggy Dog and Rickon. Absolutely. And I mean, like, I, uh, Cersei's known for wearing green dresses a lot still at this time. Yeah. So, yeah, the Lannisters are just as associated with, I think, they're not only associated with the color red and gold, is mm-hmm. shown throughout the story a lot. I mean, not to dance with the dragons, it, but the greens. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not, I definitely think Rhaenyra has a lot of parallels with Danny and Cersei, but I'm starting to come around to some of the Alicent and Cersei parallels as well that do exist of being married to the king, yeah. suffering the king, and, you know, trying to take power through what little extensions you have available to you. And I'm starting to see some of that in her character, uh, and not dissimilar from Catelyn in some aspects. And Yeah, and they're also showing, they were showing and have pointed out for the show and the show's portrayal of Rhaenyra, how she may or may not be similar to, to Arya as mm-hmm. well, which... Also makes a lot of sense, but yeah, I do think we were discussing this before recording that the blacks and the greens of the eyes from Tyrion, I don't think that George had the dance planned then, but I kind of wonder, did he take inspiration from this, from Tyrion's eyes, and use that to kind of garden his way into the factions of the dance? But he also might just like those colors. I also said this might be a football thing that I don't know anything about. I will argue not specifically the eye color being for the blacks and like the blacks and the greens being those factions. I don't know if that was 100% ironed out in details, but he did have the dance planned. We had That's true. Yeah, yeah. We had the King's Guard last episode. So he had ideas. He was probably starting to fill in some of these ideas. He yeah, he probably had the dance cuz I think it does come up, right? It does come up in book 1, but uh or like some sort of some of that inheritance stuff, but the factions, obviously, like, that 
I don't think we even got that until The Princess and the Queen came out. Yeah. For the Blacks and the Greens. But it had been marinating. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. He'd been thinking on it. Yeah, and I think because Tyrion, as you said, plays such a key role in it, it makes sense to kind of build it out from there. Bran is a little offended because Tyrion is like, you know, with the right saddle, even a cripple could ride. Bran doesn't like that. He says, I'm not a cripple. And Tyrion says, then I am not a dwarf. My father will rejoice to hear it. Mm. Uh, Maester Lewin, though, kind of breaks through the tension and what feels like an insult. And he kind of says, I do love Maester Lewin. He's very thoughtful here. He asks what sort of horse and saddle is being suggested. And Tyrion says, the boy cannot use his legs to command the animal. So you must shape the horse to the rider. Teach it to respond to the reins, to the voice. I would begin with an unbroken yearling with no old training to be unlearned. He drew a rolled paper from his belt. Give this to your saddler. He will provide the rest. I love this for so many reasons. Bran's not going to ride a horse, though, like much, right? He does for the first time. And then in his mind, he actually turns to riding his wolf. Like Tyrion says, though, you must shape the horse to the rider. Teach it to respond to the reins, to the voice. Mm-hmm. That's what Bran learns to do with his power, with being able to see through Summer's eyes. He teaches Summer to respond to his mind, and they're much more powerful. Later, he tells Summer they'll be able to hunt, and they are, but in a much different way. I also like this because it shows Tyrion's knowledge for dragons that were told about in A Game mm. of Thrones, and Clash especially, and how he may have input for Daenerys on her dragons, right? Like he says, the reins, the voice, all the things Danny is just beginning to learn or might need to start learning a little more of. Showing his skill at designing saddles kind of also says to me that he'll be designing dragon saddles for certain. I think a lot of people have kind of theorized about this around the fandom and other places, but he's got to make dragon saddles and reins for the dragons. I mean, I hope so. As people pointed out in Game of Thrones, they're like, dang, all these uh, Targaryens in House of the Dragon, they have saddles for their dragons and poor Daenerys was just clinging on for dear life <laughs> bareback girl those thighs <laughs> I know right and I mean it makes sense you gotta cling hard so it's like the dragons cannot respond to legs right mm-hmm. as as Tyrion is talking about with this horse so it responds to voice commands and Daenerys has to kind of like aggravate it to get it to turn and there's also, I don't know what you think about this, theories that Bran will skin change a dragon. Some people see this as a foreshadowing of that. I always found that interesting. With I don't fly. know that he will. And if it is, I, I don't, don't think it will be like, I don't know. I think it would be to stop it or save it or something. Yeah. Something to, you know, a stepping in kind of action. I don't think he would do it willingly or on purpose necessarily. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's for him. I don't really know. I don't I, I've just seen it come up a lot. Yeah, that's so, a good question. What I really like about this scene, and especially that little exchange between Tyrion and Bran regarding cripples, and then how Tyrion throws back, well, then I am not a dwarf, is the way that the the word cripple is used there, and, and this idea of reclaiming your own story, this idea of reclamation of words as well. Um, it's one thing to hear the stories of others and... 
you know, to learn the way that the world functions through those stories and what those narratives say that your place in that world is. And it is another thing entirely to take that, decide that that's not the story you want, rewrite it, especially to rewrite your own and to have that courage to be its own author, right? Like, for example, Tyrion's brother, Jamie, uh, rewriting his, trying to rewrite himself uh, and his own future and who he's becoming, realizing, well, maybe I should have an active role in this. Whatever he wrote. Exactly. I don't care about him. (laughs) Sorry. So if others can bring new stories and can deliver new stories um, when they come here, surely that means Bran can one day realize I too can make new stories of my own. One of his, that he decides one where he gets to give himself a place and a name and characterize it. And even though Tyrion is kind of teaching him to reclaim narratives around these different words um, and things that he might see as like an insult, which is what Tyrion teaches Jon. It's wonderful how he teaches these two brothers, these two kings, if you will. It's sad because Tyrion doesn't really internalize his own lessons himself, right? We see it especially in some of the Sansa chapters and has the rest of the world in King's Landing really beat down on him, his own family especially uh does and how others are always trying to voice their own narrative of him as a monster onto him and i think that's also why penny is such a powerful character in Tyrion's story because she's someone who reshapes the world to center her experiences i love that so much oh i kind of can't wait for Tyrion chapters whenever they happen no one knows (laughs) yeah he's very flawed and i really love that about him and also hate it about him right like he pisses me off too and that's why i really like Tyrion. i think he has a great complex character in that way and this is good this is so great this is like he's standing in the face of these slightly judgmental people because they are a little judgy i love the starks but i'm (laughs) the first to admit they're a little judgy a little they're very judgy and i mean they've created a narrative of who they think Tyrion is based on the rest of the lannisters and based on this story that Littlefinger has created of him. It's funny because Bran's been listening to stories all day, and yet he should have known not to judge one by the cover, and his brother should have too, having grown up in the same world. You know, they should both have maybe thought a little bit to not judge the book by its cover. But, but they're judging. <laughs> they are. And yeah, so that's the story we have. So Lewin compliments Tyrion's design, and he says this should work, which is amazing, right? Like if Lewin says yes, that's intensely incredible. Tyrion says it's not unlike his own saddles and what works for him with his body. I actually really love the way this is framed because Lewin kind of like thinks as he's looking at it. And apparently we just glance over that Tyrion, besides in the first book being like an acrobat, is very good at drawing. Mm -hmm. And we never come back to that. Um, I mean, in a way, right? Like the plans for the Blackwater. He's an architect. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. He's a I builder. Just, I just want to see Tyrion sketching and, you know, being yeah. an artist, which... Oh my god. Doesn't matter, I guess, to the story He went all. to Columbia. <laughs> Tyrion's, Tyrion's an artist, but... Lewin remarks upon seeing these that he's like, oh, I should have thought of this myself. And yeah, but also I don't know that Lewin could have and not in the same way Tyrion did. Like, of course it doesn't occur to him. And he wouldn't have made as good of a design as Tyrion because Tyrion bringing this up and having such a well-made design for it is showing the importance of having different perspectives when it comes to 
in general, creating anything, whether when you're designing for someone who has a different experience as you, whether that's like um, in terms of life experiences or being like disabled, mm-hmm. right? Tyrion knows that better than Lewin. And everyone here at Winterfell has just been kind of like, you know, doing things to like make brands experiences uh, shape their own. And I'm, I mean, they don't have like disability rights, you know, in Westeros, but they barely have any rights. Right. But Tyrion is doing something that actually caters and centers brands experience in this design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do love that wording specifically that I should have done this. Oh, why didn't I think of this? It would have never occurred to you to think that we could remake the world to make it more accessible for someone else. Yeah, which, I mean, that's the story, right? That's true. That is the story. Bran asks if he's going to truly be able to ride. He's sick of disappointment, right? And Mm. the crow has lied, he feels, and he wants to know if this is another lie. The dwarf says, you will. And I swear to you, boy, on horseback, you will be as tall as any of them. Mm. Which I think is great coming from Tyrion, who he himself will not ever either. You know, he's had to come and kind of confront that of what, how his stature will be. Later, we'll see Bran has a little bit one last dream vision, right? And the dream vision he has comes out with a shadow at the end of it looming over him. And as Tyrion says, you know, a very small man can cast a very long shadow, is said to Tyrion by Varys, and Bran's not dissimilar. And I think John sees it of Tyrion too, right? Isn't there that image where Tyrion's shadow is as big as a king's and... Literally on the wall. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, not only that, for Tyrion to say that also on horseback, it also re- kind of contextualizes why, or puts into a different light, his love for the gift he got from Jamie. Mm-hmm. Which was that horse. Mm, which is all Bran cares about right now. Yeah. Like for Tyrion, it was a it was a horse he could ride and on it he was as tall as anyone in his family and his brother. And that's all he wants to do in this scene, right? He wants to give that freedom and those chains that have confined his own life. He wants to be able to give some sort of semblance of that to someone else who's suffering that. Yeah. And that's a different kindness than we see in a lot of the characters in the series. And Rob doesn't understand why Tyrion wants to help them. He he could never. I mean, that's, yeah. he couldn't. He asks, is this some sort of trap, Lannister? And Tyrion says, no, I'm doing this because John asked me to. And Tyrion says, I'm doing it because I have a tender spot in my heart for cripples, bastards, and broken things. Which is the thesis of Aeswath. Yeah, absolutely. That's the story. I mean, it's about cripples, bastards, and broken things. Absolutely. And putting them back together. Yeah, as best you can, even if you can't, mm-hmm. trying anyway and learning to live with it. And that's very much a Tyrion's story at some point. So sad. It's a great story. God. It is, actually. Like, he's he's such a compelling character, and, and no wonder he's George's favorite character. Happy birthday, George. Happy birthday, George. <laughs> Tyrion puts his hand over his heart, grinning, and suddenly the door to the yard breaks open. Rick and Stark Chaotic. has just burst in with the direwolves. And then the direwolves see Tyrion and begin to growl. Summer first, then Greywind next. And Theon comments that the wolves don't seem to like his scent, and Tyrion steps back, meaning to take his leave, but 
Shaggy Dog is suddenly behind him and in the shadows, snarling. Tyrion recoils and Summer lunges on the other side. Grey Wind takes a snap at his sleeve and tears his cloth over and Bran shouts, No, Summer, to me! And the direwolf glances at him, creeping backward, settling. Rob then recalls Grey Wind and lets out like this sudden sigh. And finally Shaggy Dog is left. Bran tells Rickon to call him back and Rickon screams, Home, Shaggy, home now. Tears are like streaming out of my eyes, imagining Rickon... Because the language is screamed. Rickon screamed. So imagine a toddler or like a three, four-year-old just, home Shaggy, home now, just top of his lungs in this fucking hall with acoustics going like crazy. Chaotic. (laughs) This is chaotic. He is chaotic. Uh, The wolves really seem to absorb their anxieties already, right? Even more subconsciously, and especially in the next bit we'll talk about. And interesting that Summer almost leads here. Right? Like, everybody calms the fuck down because Bran calms Summer down. Yeah. Well, I think, like, I think, well, we'll talk about this in a second, but they talk about how it seemed like Rob had been holding his breath mm-hmm. that time. It's very interesting. I think that uh, some of how this, the wolves react, it's a very, it's very pointed based on what we see happens every time the wolves are, like, really uneasy and part of me wonders if it's a remnant of the 1993 letter Tyrion who ends up taking and sacking Winterfell very much like the storyline of Theon in the story that we actually get but I would not be surprised if George has taken you know some of the beats that he planned for Theon not for Theon and Tyrion and like kind of combines them until a later Tyrion uh, whispering into Daenerys's ears about Winterfell Oh, that's really interesting, because he knows the castle now. He knows the castle, but also, like, in terms of politically, and, of course, Tyrion does have a claim, theoretically. Even think about it. He could press it. You better take that claim and put it in the garbage disposal, mister. I would not be surprised if the Tyrion that we start seeing form in book five presses the claim. Don't press the button. I Don't mean, do it. He, he has that lo- weird love triangle with Arya in the 93 letter. And now it's just Sansa and, the and Danny on instead. Winterfell. Yeah, then it becomes a, a not a love triangle, but like an inheritance triangle or something. Mm-hmm. So I do think that's a possibility. Um, or Danny presses it for him. That's also possible. Hmm. Or both. I, I mean, I could see Tyrion doing it. Yeah. But... Adds a good shade to his character. Yeah. Unlike... Uh, the meowification of Tyrion in the, the in Game of Thrones. If you thought that was bad, <laughs> wait till the meow meowification of Chloe on Girls Gone Canon about Tyrion. <sighs> Actually, for real though, um, it's my baby meow meow, my poor baby meow meow. Speaking of other, this is more of a baby woof woof. Oh my god, woof 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 woof. We have Rickon going home now. Uh, instead of saying to me, I thought that was a. F- a, that's the most adorable choice of words. And as you're talking about a toddler just screaming, home now, home. And I kind of like the idea of it as home being a person. Very much like that Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zero song that everyone loved 15 home, years ago that was everywhere. Go, oh, oh, oh. Home is when I'm with you. Ooh. Alabama, Arkansas, yeah. Okay, so I, I like the idea of home as this movable concept and being more about the people than the place. Because they're always Starks. No matter yeah. what they shed of themselves or where they go. Mm-hmm. They're always Starks and the pack survives. Ish. 
<laughs> a better slogan. Rip, then unrip. And then rip again and unrip again. <laughs> Tyrion, scowling, puts himself a little bit back together as one of his men asks if he's okay. Yeah, nice is he okay? <laughs> Shit. A little shaken, not, not stirred. He says he's fine, save for his dignity. And even because Rob. Because he's himself. Right. Rob looks really shaken. And he's like, I don't know why the wolves attacked you. I And Tyrion's like, I must have looked like dinner and I will be leaving. Now, that Rob is shaken because he feels it, it makes me wish even more we had the Rob POV yes. as stated and as discussed in our Rob Patreon episode. Because he knew. I mean, all these other chapters, we get this. Even when Bran slept, he told Kat that Bran needs to hear the wolves sing, that it will make him healthier if he hears the wolves singing. And he tells his mom, he's like, you can tell them apart if you listen. And he's very in tune with the wolves. And we'll talk about it next week in Bran 5 because he tells Bran, sometimes I think they know things, sense things. And he tells him he'll tell him more when he's older or he'll understand more when he's older. Not unlike, mm-hmm. I guess, Ned and John's last talk, right? Oh, interesting, yeah. But when you're older, you'll understand, and then he goes off and dies. Well, technically, Bran's older by the time, I guess, he starts understanding. Well, yeah, in, so in, he's like, not the wrong. next book or Loophole. two. Technically, he's older. <laughs> I also, yeah, I do think that's so interesting because, yeah, part of it is the wolves reacting to the anxiety on Rob's part. But as you said, wish we had gotten his POV. I kind of am wondering because of Rob being so shaken and the part where it says he held his breath is this the first time like rob skin changed but it was on accident worked on accident well yeah because like did he see himself like attacking Tyrion like in his head and thought he it was a fantasy kind of maybe like oh you know another king fantasizing about and having dreamt killing his brother waking up and being like oh fuck that was real real question mark real Yeah, that's interesting, having the Stannis thought of, like, oops, I accidentally... I love it. I I would love to know that. That's a a George question right there. I don't think he will answer it. He'd be like, keep reading. Keep reading for a deeper understanding. No, he will not answer. He'll be like, what a thousand theories reign. And I'll be like, George, happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, George. I was going to say it. I'm glad you said it. (laughs) Maester Lewin asks him to wait one moment and then mutters something to Rob, who sheathes his sword and kind of gives a little apology almost for his haste behavior that the hospitality of Winterfell is Tyrion's if he wishes it, but Tyrion's like, spare me your courtesies, the lies, all the lies. I know you don't want me here, and I'll stay at an inn outside of Winterfell and support the economy of the North instead. Yeah. I respect Tyrion being like, I know you don't want me here. I'm going to leave. Yeah. Interesting that Tyrion's willing to turn down uh, and consents Rob's false court courtesies, but he isn't able to do so when it comes to either Sansa or Shay. Or he he willfully ignores it with Shay. Sansa is underestimating her. That is interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah, when it comes and to And there's something women, brotherly girls. going on there and sisterly. What? I hate to say it. What do you mean? Like, of the Lannister family and their toxic codependence on one another in that like he doesn't feel the need to impress rob the eldest brother because he is you know the next in line himself he doesn't feel you know a jamie he just doesn't feel that competition so much from a brother that's true yeah i think i guess he doesn't feel the need to impress rob he doesn't care about rob's opinion because rob is someone who had it all handed to him but he cares about john's opinion Mm -hmm. yeah that says a lot 
He makes plans to meet with Yorin the next day on the road south, and his men follow him out. Rob then speaks awkwardly to the four remaining Night's Watch men, offering them hearth and amenities, and they thank him all the same, awkward or not. Yeah, it's as we were saying earlier, like, this is a tough first time to Rob to have to do this. Um, it just kind of shows how inexperienced he is, right? And the, also gives us an idea of the importance of hospitality in this culture, especially from Winterfell to the Wall. To the swamp, to, to, yeah, all yeah, these balls, yeah, right. to all these females crawl. Bran gets carried to bed after this, and Hodor then takes old Nan to bed. It's very Aww. sweet. She had fallen asleep in her chair. Same. Bran calls for summer, telling the wolf he can ride now. They can go hunting, wait and see, and oh, you will. Oh, the places you'll go, Bran. <laughs> he sleeps, dreaming of scaling the broken tower. And this, I think, goes a little to that 93 letter, too, Eliana. Yeah. His fingers between blackened stones, burnt stones, if you will, climbing through the clouds into the night sky. Looking down, he cries out, thinking he could not fly. He could not fly. And he then begins to climb again once he gets his breath back. Far above a pale moon, he thinks he sees gargoyles watching him, eyes glowing red and hot. He thinks maybe they were once lions, but now twisted, grotesque. He can hear them whispering in soft stone voices. The gargoyles pull themselves to where he clings and he weeps saying, I didn't hear, I didn't, I didn't. And he wakes gasping in the darkness, a dark shadow looming over him. Trauma. Bran's subconscious bringing up the Lannister repression memory, right? Going on there with some wicked imagery. Tyrion manifesting in it, a grotesque, twisted gargoyle of a lion. And of course, kind of being the place where the crime occurred, conflating these two acts as one in his subconscious. Not unlike what Catelyn and Rob both have done, as we kind of talked about. Of course, after flatlining the, the scariness into a metaphor in his mind, he wakes up to Hodor's shadow, but looming over Bran is a dark shadow. On the wall, one could say. And it does, of course, bring up Varys saying, Power resides where men believe it resides, no more, no less. So power's a mummer's trick? A shadow on the wall, yet shadows can kill. And oft times a very small man can cast a very large shadow. And some of the imagery reminds me of Crescent's chapter when we think about mm. the maesters accepting magic. Uh, he says, talking gargoyles and prophecies in the sky. I am an old dun man grown giddy as a child again. Uh. Had a lifetime's hard-won wisdom fled him along with his health and strength. Uh. And lastly, I want to point out that it looks a little bit like the stone drum. Uh, in Davos's chapter, we see... In place of Merlin's, a thousand grotesques and gargoyles look down on him, each different from the others. Wyverns, griffins, demons, manticores, minotaurs, basilisks, hellhounds, cockatrices, and a thousand queerer creatures crowded from the castle's battlements as if they'd grown there, and the dragons were everywhere. The great hall was a dragon lying on its belly. Men entered through its open mouth. Great imagery. Yeah, it is, it is, and very interesting, and it is very pointed for it to come in the context of Tyrion, but it is kind of strange that it's, like, melded together with, as you pointed out, right, the Lannister siblings? I mean, he is, presence, he, he's yeah. a Lannister sibling, yeah, yeah, but it, but I guess it makes sense, right? Like, they're adjacent people and ideas, they're in the same family, so, like, for him to be there could trigger, you know, a little bit of the other thing, but again, Bran's not ready to touch that memory yet. 
And this is, again, one of those things that makes me wonder if it's another artifact of the 1993 letter. The way that Tyrion's visit kind of triggers all this imagery because especially of the gargoyles and the grotesques Mm -hmm. because Tyrion is described as grotesque often and that is pointed, especially because you were tying it to Dragonstone, right? Yeah. Um, And the gargoyles that are there because grotesque uh, literally means gargoyles. Like, uh, There's like some differences between the two, but but oftentimes people will use these terms interchangeably, like they are synonyms. A grotesque as a noun is also a gargoyle. Um, but the idea that these used to be lions and it being about the Lannisters at large is very interesting. Yeah, very transformative. And the the sack really rings true. I feel like I'm like, oh, the idea of Tyrion sacking Winterfell is loud right here. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's not doing that anymore that's we don't have time we don't have time <laughs> when is Tyrion gonna sack winterfell in the same way it's it has already been sacked what is he gonna take what is he gonna do that has not already been done ramsey did it first sorry bro yeah ramsey did it first and and took revenge for the starks <laughs> as you've said the shadow is hodor here to take him to the feast in the great hall post nap hodor wipes his sweat with a damp cloth dresses him and down they go Rob and Bran sit across from one another next to the Lord's seat, which they leave empty because no one can fulfill Ned's seat. I cry. They eat suckling pig, pigeon pie, turnips and butter, and later honeycombs for dessert. Bran feeds his wolf under the table while Greywind and Shaggy fight over a bone in the corner. This fucking kills me. Give me the suckling pig. Can you just smell the juices? Yeah, absolutely. And like also like the other, you know, I like I'm thinking of the Night's Watch. We'll get there. Yeah. Winterfell's dogs would not come near the hall now. Bran found that strange at first, but he was growing used to it. So sad that just once they grow used to it, Winterfell gets sacked and burned and taken by the Boltons because in A Dance with Dragons Reek 2, uh, we have the dogs fighting over whatever scraps Ramsay thought to send them in the corner, mm. in the corner of the hall, and how Theon is the only one, you know, not watching dogs. Everyone is staring at the dogs while he watches Ramsay. What a different environment it was in Winterfell in book one versus book five. You know, the dogs yeah. are back. The ultimate evil. Yeah. Very much does not look like home now. Mm-mm. It is a bad time. We're not in Winterfell anymore, Toto. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck this place is. Uh, Yorn is the most senior of the Black Brothers and is seated between Rob and Lewin. Because of that, he smells sour as if he hasn't eaten much recently or maybe bathed, which... It's possible. And rips at the meat with his teeth, eating the marrow. He's like sucking it from the bones as well. And I I love that detail that he's doing that. And also I think the other brothers are doing something similar because how often are they going to get to feast this good, right? Yeah, meat. Being at the, not just meat, just being at the wall like in marrow. Yeah, meat and like actual, they're getting every ounce of it that they can. Yeah, like that marrow butter. That and I was telling you about. I know I watched it the other day on TikTok. Me and Emmett watched all of them. Anyways, you watched all the butter videos? As many as we could. But <laughs> listen, back to Bran and the bone marrow here. Uh, something interesting, right, with later Bran's connection with blood sacrifice too and bone marrow coming up here. It does mm. make me think of that. And 
that was just off the cuff. Stay tuned for more. But I'm still I'm still also on you watched all the butter videos. So. Anyways. <laughs> but it shows too that Bran doesn't understand why Yorin would smell bad. Like he does he doesn't understand what the night's watch is in his head he thinks it's like heroic. And he's like, they take showers yeah, yeah. there or baths there and they're clean and they eat meat and it's like no Bran, they're starving and winter's coming. Or and also it's like so cold maybe that they're like you can't smell how bad the other people are. <laughs> maybe that. It preserves. Yeah. Jon Snow is brought up in conversation and Yorn calls him, you'll love this, Sir Alistair's Bane. <laughs> uh, his companions all laugh. Bran doesn't understand, but we do. They ask for news of Benjen and Yorn has bad news. Benjen is gone, disappeared, likely dead, and Rob doesn't take that well. He reacts very negatively, same, very poorly. I'd be upset too, but uh, very much the reaction is Rob the boy, not the lord, yelling, my uncle's not dead. And the Black Brothers seem uncomfortable. The youngest speaks up and he's like, well, there's not a man who knows the forest better than Benjen. He'll find his way back. It's sad. We were talking earlier about how uh, Rob's feeling a lot of pressure. He's at home alone trying to, you know, do all this stuff. And understandably, he's like snapping, right? He can't bear the thought of losing even more family members. Like not in a permanent way when he's already trying to deal with the fact that uh, he's... He's kind of losing them right now and has no one to support him. And he therefore really, really refuses to acknowledge the loss of Benjen, who probably isn't dead or not in that. Maybe on who knows, but I don't think, but he's not cold hands. Anyways, the lesson of losing loved ones, it is going to come soon, sooner than later. It's going to be this very book. Buckle up, Rob. Buckle up. And it's going to hit these poor boys sooner than they expect. And very quick. Yorin rebuts. That good men have gone in those woods and never returned. Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. Dunno. Can't really bet on it. The gods flip a coin. <laughs> All Bran can think of are Nan's stories, and he blurts out, Maybe the children will help him. The children of the forest. And everyone's yes. like, yeah. <laughs> and then we, the readers, are like, ah. But what if? <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, that's so funny, because yeah. Yes. Sion laughs and Lewin more charitably is like, well, they're all dead, sweetheart. They, they live in the trees now. That's where they live because that makes more sense. Also true. Yorin, though, has a different view. Down here might be that's true, maester. But up past the wall, who's to say? Up there, a man can't always tell what's alive and what's dead. Kills me that Ned, like hosted these men all the time and they just had cryptic things at him and he's like i just can't figure it out what do they mean yeah maybe he was just like mm, mm, interesting very maybe deep, he just said cryptic things back and like they all just like went around and said ridiculous stuff and then nothing happened yeah amazing well there was left crypt- cryptic stuff going on back then too the shape of brand's arc with magic i love examining that especially with the green seers and the children and this introduction to them in book one, he kind of gets introduced to the magic and he's told it's not real by everybody. But book two, he's starting to think maybe it could be real. And suddenly the side characters that are very related to magic appear and they're like, you've been lied to, Bran. Magic is real. By book's end, though, no one's listening to him and it's too late for him to save, you know, the people he loves. Everything crashes down upon him, even though he foresaw it coming. Book three is him forced out of his ancestral home on a horrifying adventure filled with discovery of his own abilities and sight. And book five, he gets kind of face to face with this magic and his Jedi training arc and yada yada. You can see he's very immersed in the magic. 
So the seeds laid in a Game of Thrones compared to a Dance of Dragons are great. They're well-grown. And look, Benjen doesn't need to be cold hands. That, that I get that. But maybe he could be helped by the yeah. children. Like, I, I do think they obviously help Bran. They try to. And we obviously find out they exist in Book 5. And coming back to Discworld again today, I think there's so much Discworld in Bran's plot. But from the very first Rincewind adventure novel, The Color of Magic, we have this passage. Dryads were supposed to have died out, along with gnomes and pixies. The background roar was louder here. Sometimes a pulsing golden glow would race up the translucent walls until it was lost in the haze overhead. Some power in the air made it vibrate. Now, incompetent wizard, said Druella, see some magic. Not your weasel face tame magic, but root and branch magic. The old magic. Wild magic. Watch. Fifty or so females formed a tight cluster, joined hands, and walked backwards until they formed the circumferences of a large circle. The rest of the dryads began a low chant. Uh, I, I just love the idea of the old magic and the old ways and respecting that, right? The forgotten ancient magic of the North and that Yorin here doesn't play with that. He says, yeah. oh, it's there. It's there, son. You like ghost stories? Get ready. You're living in them. No, for real, he is, though. Are you reading Discworld right now? I've read, like, 30 of them, maybe. Okay, so you've read them in the past, previously. Because yeah. you don't bring them up often, so I thought it was very interesting that it's come up a lot this episode. Well, I'm saving them for Bran. Okay. I've been really I saving been a lot saving of Discworld yourself. for Bran, and for Tyrion, actually. There's some Tyrion stuff. But... Okay. Okay. I was just curious, because... I'm, I'm sure it was, like, top of, of mind for you, like, because you're reading them right now. Mm -hmm. I'm rereading some of them for Bran, especially, because I think the magic and the classic Pratchett, you know, storytelling. I mean, Pratchett had a lot of just really off-the-wall ideas that play with fantasy in, in a silly way, making fun of the genre, but also then, you know, still being in the genre and existing in those confines I don't know, okay. something classic, but also something wild about Pratchett that I really respect. I really love. All right. That's cool. That's cool. Um, and I like I like what you've laid out here of the arc of Bran's story from books one to five, not including four, because we skipped Bran for a season. But he's in there. <laughs> no, he is in there, right? Um, unlike the in Game of Thrones, but... So, the, something about the way that you laid it out I thought was really interesting about this idea of again innocence and childhood and like being introduced to magic because as you get older people say that life loses its magic a little in that same way but Bran is kind of being told the opposite yeah it exists you have to go find it it exists you have to go find that it's not innocence but like something like that i don't know um sometimes you have to go on a fucking horrible journey to go find that magic yeah and the answers yeah then we come towards the end of the chapter with this really, really emotional scene between these family members of That night, after the plates had been cleared, Rob carried Bran up to bed himself. Greywind led the way and Summer came close behind. His brother was strong for his age and Bran was as light as a bundle of rags, but the stairs were steep and dark and Rob was breathing hard by the time they reached the top. He put Bran to bed covered him with blankets, and blew out the candle. For a time, Rob sat beside him in the dark. Bran wanted to talk to him, but he did not know what to say. We'll find a horse for you, I promise. 
are they ever coming back? Yes, Rob said with such hope in his voice that Bran knew he was hearing his brother, not just Rob the Lord. Mother will be home soon. Maybe we can ride out to meet her when she comes. Wouldn't that surprise her, to see you a horse? Even in the dark room, Bran could feel his brother's smile. And afterward, we'll ride north to see the light. We won't even tell John we're coming. We'll just be there one day. You and me. It will be an adventure. An adventure, Bran repeated wistfully. He heard his brother sob. The room was so dark he could not see the tears on Rob's face, so he reached out and found his hand. Their fingers twined together. <laughs> I am sobbing. I am crying. What the fuck? Sobbing, crying, throwing Brand's up. Brand's chapters are literally <laughs> the best chapters. They're so sad. Being sad is so Oh my great. fucking god. It feels what is so this? This bad is and good at the same I'm time. I'm so sad. Don't you feel horrible? Yeah, I do. What the fuck? God, me too. Why me did too. we do this project? This project? <laughs> I'm dropping out. Uh, they're not coming back. No, they're none of them are. But poor they Rob. are. Also poor Rob. Oh my god. It's so sad. It's so sad. Okay. Eliana. Wow. Wait, are you crying? Yeah, I just fucking said that. Wait, no, but legitimately? <laughs> yeah, I was tearing up. Are you crying about Bran? And Rob. Wow. And them being like, we're gonna go see them. And then he's like, it's gonna be an adventure. We're gonna surprise them. It's the fucking worst. But Eliana, we have so much to look forward to still. Even though this is horrible and they're all gonna die, there's also that <laughs> They're all gonna die. <laughs> to quote a great poet, a great group of poets, truly. To quote the mountain goats. Okay, I'm like, which poets is she talking about? <laughs> There's gonna be a party when the wolf comes home. What kind of party? Hunting party? Okay, no, not a hunting party. Listen, not that kind of party. It's gonna be a good party. Search party? You made me watch that show. Did you finish that? No, absolutely not. You what watched the fuck? Like, all of it. And I yeah, watched, we watched like, all of it. it. Oh my I god. Watched, like, a season. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> You're getting off the topic. It's all going to be okay. Is Except it? Except for like it's maybe. It's not. It's actually going to be bittersweet. It's George be bittersweet. himself. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, George. <laughs> said so. Happy birthday, George. Happy birthday, George. Thank you for writing this sad fucking chapter. An adventure. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Bran 4 in A Game of Thrones. It is a favorite. I am so happy to be covering Bran with you all. I look forward to our next episode. We'll be back in October with Bran. We will be putting out something pre-released for you next week for patrons. Thanks, patrons, for unlocking that. And keep your eyes peeled to find out what you'll get. It's a surprise. Truly, it is a surprise, but... Perhaps you also have thoughts. You would like to join the conversation. You can always find us on social media at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon. That's C-A-N-O-N, where you can send us a tweet or a DM. Or you can also send us an email that apparently I am thirsty for at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Eliana, don't advertise our email and say you're thirsty. <laughs> That's so true. I'm oh sorry. My this God. is a mistake. Bots are going to find this and who knows what we're going to find in our email. The algorithm, as always... Please make sure you're already following us or subscribe to us on a podcast platform near you that you enjoy listening to your podcasts on, whether that is Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, iTunes, Google Play, Audible, 
Pandora. I'm losing steam, but you know they're out there. Go take a look. Give us a Google. You'll find us. iHeartRadio. Give us a Google. Hit a Google up. Uh, yes, and somewhere that you can definitely always find us is on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where patrons in the Stranger Tier and above, $5 and above, do get a bonus episode each month. This month it is Mothers of the Dragon Part 2, Alisan. Yes, MILFs, 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 and... Of course, every Friday, our friend and patron Maddie hosts a House of the Dragon discussion over at Discord in the voice channels, 2 to 4 p.m. ET for the Thunder tier, $10 tier and above. And you also get access to monthly events too, like brunch slash happy hour, which we will announce for October in the coming weeks. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. Can't wait to come back in October to Bran for the harvest. The harvest comes. Uh, yeah, it is going to be harvest season. I am thinking about... You want to watch... Have you ever watched Over the Garden Wall? I'm watching it with you. All right. I'm in. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. It's gonna be a party when the wolf comes home. <laughs>